Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen, and Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. And guys, it's football season. We're supposed to have a lot to talk about and write about right now, but we have absolutely nothing. Memphis with we have another... A, we have a packed show for you today. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a major lineup with a, with a ton of recent news. Uh, no, but there's there's nothing to talk about right now. Memphis-Houston game was postponed, still being rescheduled. Uh, Memphis's game this week against UTSA was canceled, and they added another game. So a couple more weeks without Memphis football before they head to SMU next weekend. So, guys, we were talking before the show, and uh, we, we decided to change it up a little bit. Brooks, why don't you tell everybody what this episode is all about? Well, hey, since right now everything is dead, we're, we're just talking about it. Even with football, we're talk, talking hypotheticals. Uh, Memphis's next game is hypothetical. Everything right now is up in the air. We never do anything like this, especially whenever it comes to recruiting, because you say something, people hold your feet to the fire. We never talk about what ifs, but you know what? It's 2020. It feels like any day could be your last. Uh, I mean, it's not to be morbid, not to go there, but <laughs> let's just go crazy and let's talk hypotheticals today. Let's here, here's the the proposition for Memphis basketball in 2021. If everything goes as planned, if if Memphis gets every guy they target at a high level that they prioritize, what does that look like? Where does that class land? Put it in perspective and go. So that's the show. <laughs> let's just uh, let's dive right in. So obviously. Memphis already has Josh Minot under its belt for 2021. And obviously, again, obviously, obviously, obviously. <laughs> I feel like I've said yeah, that. Used to, that, used to be, that used to be my thing. I know. So you've taken over the obviously. Obviously, I have. Uh, but <laughs> clearly, that commitment has already proven to be uh, one that is going to be a, a central piece of this class. So where does Memphis go to next? I think the obvious answer with both us hinting at it and with Deshaun London coming out and saying that this thing is um, is moving towards a close is Sam Ayumide. You know, that was the first guy that I tabbed as a major, major target for Memphis for the, you know, if, if not the number one, one of the top priorities for Memphis in this class. What does Sam mean for Memphis? How big is that if – and when Sam commits to the school of his choice, if it's Memphis, what does that mean? Yeah, so for them, it's something that they've that they've kind of been searching for. They thought they had last year in the front court. We we've talked about it multiple times about about sealing up the front court. They thought they did it uh, in the 2019 class with James and Precious. James obviously ended up leaving. Precious was still very good in the front court. Conference Player of the Year, Conference Freshman of the Year. Um, so they had him for one season. He kind of shored up the front court last season. Now they get Musa Cisse, a guy that could potentially be a one and done. It's something that there's been a lot of debate about, especially between us. I think a consensus between us is we don't necessarily see him being a one and done unless he just goes out there 
and is a completely different player on the offensive uh, end of the floor. So regardless, one way or the other, Musa stays, Musa leaves, whatever happens there, like you said, Brooks, this is a completely hypothetical episode. Getting Sam Ayamide once again reinforces the front court. And we know, you know, with a team like Memphis that wants to prioritize defense more than the majority of schools in college basketball, having a rim protector, having someone in the paint who can block shots and stop stop bigs from coming down low and also stop guards from driving and slashing down low is a major priority for this coaching staff because they want to have a solid defense. And it seems like they want to build that defense from the inside out. So having a centerpiece in the front court is it seems like it's going to be a major priority and nearly every class for them, and, and Sam would obviously bring that with him. Well, you know, Sam is a guy that you look at, and obviously he has continued to get better and better as time has gone on. He went from, you know, a guy that most dudes didn't even know about. You know, most, even national scouts were like, who is Sam Ayamide? To now he's in the top 150, and his progression into the rankings will only continue to go up and honestly whether Musa Cisse stays or goes Memphis's front court is pretty solid and Sam coming into a squad like Memphis it gives him time to develop he doesn't have all the pressure to come in and play 30 minutes a game as a freshman and it allows him time to develop under one of the best staffs in the country with you know a guy like Tony Madlock who's been around for 30 30 years with Cody Toppert, who's considered to be one of the best developmental guys out there, and a guy like Penny Hardaway, who's, you know, he's 6'8", six, 6'7", six, eight, six, six, eight. People forget that Penny has tremendous footwork for a guy who's that big, and a lot of what he teaches can translate for a, a you know, 6'11", seven footer like Sam. Can you have any thoughts? No, I mean, I, I think it's hilarious not to completely change the subject, but, you know, we're talking about Musa Cisse leaving when he hasn't even played a game yet, um, which is hilarious <laughs> to me. I'm, I am, it just goes to show you, I think, that the University of Memphis is, is the staff at the University of Memphis, the basketball staff especially, is just, they're ahead of the curve, I think, in terms of, of you know, recruiting and, roster development or roster construction and things like that. Um, I mean, we haven't even seen Musa Cisse play um, a, a game in his freshman year. And we're already talking about the potential for if he stays or if he goes. Um, you know, again, I, I would say, and I think we've said this numerous times, that I think that Musa Cisse might be the most – will come into college this year as the most dominant defensive player in college um, automatically, like off the rip. And so – um, envisioning envisioning a Musa Cisse Sam Ayumide front court. Oh man, like that is um that is that is unreal. And and I think that it's going to be if they do play together, if Musa decides to stay and develop even uh, develop his offensive game. Because I mean, honestly, right now. I think Musa, if if it was just if it was just a defensive game, could go to the NBA right now and and play, you know, pro ball defensively. He's a he's a he's a pro when it comes to the defensive um, side of the uh, of the court. Um, you know, the only question is is moving forward is does he want to stay and develop his his post game and his you know interior uh, moves and things like that on the offensive side of the court. So, um, but having a guy like 
Sam in the fold, hypothetically, would just be unbelievable. Because then you're also adding a guy like Sam to a front court that's going to have Malcolm Dandridge, um, Ahmad Rand, um, Lance Thomas. And, I mean, that that's a stacked front court. And I'm sure I've, I've forgotten a few people, but, I mean, that's a big-time front court. So those are my thoughts. Absolutely. Well, and here's the, here's the thing about Sam. When Memphis took the commitment from Josh Minot, uh, and, and I'll go ahead and just say his name because he's no longer a part of 247. Uh, he has since moved on to the NBA. Uh, but when when Memphis took that commitment, I reached out to uh, Josh Gershon and just said, you know, when when are these rankings going to be updated? You need to take a look at Josh. I've already talked to Travis Brandom about him. He said that he agrees with me. Is he a guy that you guys are going to take a look at? And Josh said, yes, we're actively evaluating his film. We've watched him. I believe that we have him ranked about 130 spots too, too low. And that's before Josh made his big jump from 150-something to 30, like he is now. And I also said, what about Sam Ayumide? Why is he completely unranked? And he goes, who? This was just a month and a half, two months ago. That, I mean, I'm sorry. And, and this is this is our people. These are 247 sports guys. I, so... Forgive me for kind of throwing our own people under the bus, but how do you not know who Sam Ayamide is? And so I would just say this, Sam will not be ranked where he is right now at the end of the day when he enters college. And so having a, a guy like him with such a high ceiling has a committable offer from, you know, so many big time programs, including, you know, kind of one of his final three in Kansas, Sam is a legit guy who can come in and he may not, you know, want to play 30 minutes a game, but make no mistake about it. He can make an impact from day one. Yeah, and, and kind of moving along, we've talked about defense a lot so far. We Like we said, we know that's a priority for the staff. It's something that they that they target with nearly every player. And when you think about the next guy, in my opinion, Jordan Nesbitt is one of the best two-way players in the class. I think he's going to shoot up the rankings kind of like we were talking about with Sam and how Josh did. I think he's a very effective two-way player, which I, which is one of the reasons why the staff loves him so much. And he's coming coming close to a decision. I think we are less than two weeks away, maybe a week, week and a half away. October 1. Yeah, October 1st is his decision date. And we know Memphis is, is definitely deeply involved in his recruitment. So, Brooks, when you think about what Memphis got in Josh Minot and what that potential tandem could look like with him and Jordan Nesbitt, maybe in the backcourt, maybe one at the two and the three, uh, what would a Jordan Nesbitt commit not only mean for, for the program, but then for a guy like Josh Minot, for those two guys to, to work together and come in together and, and also develop as they go along? Well, so much of what Josh Minot does well – requires space and it also requires transition and what a guy like Jordan Nesbitt brings to the equation for Josh Minot is being able to push 
their perimeter players, their two, their three, out further in in half-court sets and create chaos for the other team defensively, create you know deflections, create stills, create transition moments for the University of Memphis and put Josh Minot in positions to where he excels. Uh, and not only just that from a you know transition perspective from defense to offense, but offensively, Jordan Nesbitt can score in and of himself. So he he brings a, 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 a almost a requirement for the defense to be honest with him because he does get to the bucket so well. He he's a slasher. He gets to the rim, but he's also you know an effective. Uh, shooter from from deep, and he's got a uh, really good mid-range game. So what that does is it keeps defenses honest, keeps keeps them from sagging off of, you know, like I know some guys, they're kind of a, a 3 and D guy. Like maybe they, they really only offer one skill set from an offensive perspective, but they're a defensive specialist. But Jordan Nesbitt is bigger than that. He's an elite-level defender. But he can actually help you offensively. So for a guy like Josh Minot, that's like a no-brainer for him. And he's also extremely long defensively. So now it gives Memphis a chance to put a guy like Nesbitt at the two at 6'6", and Minot at the three at 6'9". So, uh, I mean, the length that that gives them, just from a hypothetical perspective, is unreal. I thinking about Jordan Nesbitt and Josh Minot on the court together at the same time. One of the things that I just as a as somebody who loves to watch basketball and somebody who watches a lot of film, one of the things about those two guys in particular that I am so excited about if Jordan comes to Memphis and plays alongside Josh and Josh is already committed, so we're not hypothetically speaking here on Josh. But if Jordan comes and plays plays at Memphis, one of the one of the things about um, the both of those players that I just love is their ability to work off of their teammates um, well. And and I was listening to um, I was watching some of the NBA playoffs um, from the bubble a few days ago, and Kenny Smith said something on TNT on the Inside the NBA show where he talked about one of the main differences between basketball, NBA basketball back in the day compared to now. And you see, speed-wise, you see a huge difference. There's a level of speed in the NBA now that wasn't there a few years ago. But one of the main differences that you see is – a lot of times players use their speed and it gets them into bad situations. And I look at guys like Josh Minot and I look at guys like Jordan Nesbitt. And and one of the things that I see is at it's such a young stage, at such a young age and at such an early stage in their development, they use their speed in a way that creates advantages, but they also know when to be aggressive by slowing it down. Like that's one of the things that I love about Jordan Nesbitt's game is that he is not always boss to the wall, 90 miles an hour, straight to the rim, I'm going to go. It's a probe. He's probing and probing and probing and and getting shots that 
that are available, creating a shot, but not, not trying to force a shot. And Josh Minot's the same way. And so to think about having two guys like that in the, in the two position and the three position for the Tigers in 2021 is just exciting because those guys are very, very smart high IQ basketball players that know how to use their physical advantages when it's time and know how to use their brain when it's time. Um, and, and so I, I get this sense that when they play together, if they do end up playing together, they're going to be, they're going to feed off each other in that regard. And that's the ball is going to be fl- flying back and forth between the two of them probing and probing and probing and using their speed to it, to their advantage. Well, the other thing about Jordan is he's got a college-ready body. He's ready for college today. He's a grown-ass man right he's now. He's a grown-ass man. And to me, the thing that I like to envision with him and Josh Minot is Josh Minot has a guy on his team right now for uh, Team Parsons uh, CP25. He's got a guy on his team right now named Micah Octave. He's a 6'2", 6'3", shooting guard. And he literally only brings one thing to the table, and that's being an elite-level defender. But he makes Josh Minot better because of how well he defends. And to me, I look at it and say, okay, Jordan Nesbitt is a 6'6 version of Michael Octave, and he brings something to the table offensively. Just imagine how much better that will make Josh Minot. And I think this is something that gets lost in the shuffle because so much when we talk about uh, basketball staffs recruiting and bringing in guys, we think about them filling individual spots. Okay, we need a we need a wing. We need someone to stretch the floor. Let's bring this guy in. You never really hear people talk about complimenting other players, complimenting each other in a recruiting class. Such a good point, Christian. And that's and that's what we're talking about. And this is really going back to Brooks's point here. It makes so much sense to bring in a guy like Josh, which we already know they have on board, who's not necessarily um, – he's he's not passive, but he's very smart with the ball. He's not going to force many things like Kenny was saying. He's going to probe. He's going to make smart plays. And then you have a guy on defense like Jordan Nesbitt, who, who as Brooks said, is, is really – can wreak chaos, can wreak havoc on the defensive end of the floor – and for a team like Memphis that wants to get out in a fast break and wants to get out in transition, they really didn't have many singular guys last year who could create chaos. It was it was mainly a team effort of forcing bad shots or getting blocked. It was it wasn't they didn't have many singular great players on defense that you knew they could get a steal at any time and change the game and and change the momentum. Jordan's that type of guy on defense, but also, as we've all mentioned, he's very proficient on the offensive end of the floor as well. So I know this is only two pieces and and hypothetical at that, but it makes so much sense to recruit a guy like Jordan after they got Josh. And I think that's why we've seen them turn the pressure up so much on Jordan since they got Josh is because they watch the film, they look at it and go, these two players could not be more perfectly matched to play in our system together. Hypothetically, we're talking about Sam Ayomide. We're talking about Josh Minot. We're talking about Jordan Nesbitt. And going along with that cohesion, building a roster, building a team of of cohesive players, what we're really missing now, Brooks, is a knockdown elite three-point shooter. shooter. An elite shooter. Hypothetically, 
who are we talking about here? Hypothetically, I would just say if you're looking for an elite level shooter that can also make plays off the bounce, going to the rim, also unselfish, also fits with this roster extremely well. Look no further than six eight, six nine, small forward, extremely skilled four man, John Camden. Hypothetically. I've heard his name before somewhere. Well, it wouldn't be in the uh, the two four seven sports top one hundred because we're dumb, and uh, our rankings are kind of jacked up right now. We, if you can't tell, we've lost Evan Daniels and Josh Gershon in the matter of like a month, um, and so you know, props to our our, nat- our remaining national guys for holding it together. But our rankings need some work, and John Camden is he is an elite level player. Uh, his ability to create off the bounce. He is so skilled with the ball, left hand, right hand, off off foot stuff, uh, off hand. You know, finishes with both hands, not only at the rim but with runners. Like he he can hit floaters with his left and right, but he's he can shoot out to 24, 25 feet. He's got legitimate NBA range. Uh, you know, I think his biggest thing would be strength and defensive. Uh, you know, on on the defensive end, he needs a little bit of work and polish. But man, talking about a guy who can complement uh, a squad like that, those three hypotheticals from a shooting perspective, John Camden is that guy. Yeah, and you and you hit the nail on the head when you said he can also finish down low because when we first talked about John Camden and when you first told us that you know that Memphis was getting involved. First thing me and Kenny always do is is go watch film, go look him up. And when I see him at first, I'm thinking, okay, it's a white dude. He's going to be a good shooter, and that's that's what he brings to the table, which is fine. If you got a sharp shooter, that completely changes the dynamic of a team. But then I get deeper into his film, and I'm like, okay, this dude's way more than a shooter. The way he finishes doesn't look like a high school player. He can finish at an elite level, uh, and it can also shoot at an elite level. So Kenny put it perfectly. What do you need next when you have guys that can play defense, can be patient, have ball skills, uh, or unselfish players that get other people the ball. You need someone to spread the floor, and that's what John Camden Camden is. He can spread the floor. Uh, he can get out in transition just like the rest of them. He can finish down low. So once again, that's this staff saying we are finding compliments to other players. We're not just necessarily looking for, okay, we want the one, two, three, four, and five overall guy in this class. We want all five stars. They're starting to change the dynamic of their recruitment and saying, okay, it's great if we land all five stars. That's awesome. But if we get high-level guys that we think are five stars or high-level guys and they're all cohesive, they all can work together and play together, then it doesn't matter if they're necessarily looked at as the top player in the country. And that's and that's what the staff has done differently. And, and the thing about that is, is you bring in guys who are balled in, who are ready to go to work, who aren't already looking forward to next year's draft. And the thing about John Camden – and Kenny, I know you're itching to say something, but in in pure John Camden style, I wanted to give you an assist. Something that John Camden is is totally un- underrated at is his vision, his court vision, his passing ability is elite for his size and position. That's the other thing that he brings to the table. Not only can he shoot well, but he distributes well. And when you've got guys like Jordan Nesbitt, Josh Minot waiting in the wings. That's what you need. So we we do know that 
Tiger fans and college basketball fans in general, while they may get get excited about podcasts like these where we start to hypothetically kind of dream out what a roster could look like and we bang this drum about the fact that listen we're in a we're in a a global pandemic rankings time right now where a lot of in-home visits there's a dead period a lot of the AAU stuff has been shut down so in terms of rankings don't hold the rankings to a a you know as as gospel truth about what a player is or what they're not without a doubt fans are still going to want to know right like where where does this put the tigers in terms of rankings so 247 has this thing called a class calculator if we had to dream and vision like where do you think that if hypothetically um sam aomide john candom camden jordan nesbitt join Josh Minot in the 2021 class, where do you think that puts the Tigers in terms of rankings? Well, Kenny, you're a, you're ahead of yourself. You, you, you're, you're missing. We're talking, you're missing hey, one of the hypotheticals here. We're talking Brooks, best Brooks, case scenario, Kenny. <laughs> right, I mean, right. If we're talking best case scenario for 2021, you're leaving out a major piece to that puzzle. And, and that last piece would be class of 2022, but soon to be, or hypothetically, class of 2021 point guard, Sky Clark. Uh, oh, yeah. And I think if, oh, yeah, hypothetically <laughs> speaking, if Memphis were to land Sky Clark, we'll get back, we'll, we'll, let's come back to Sky Clark. Let's just say Memphis were to land that class. Sky Clark, Josh Minot, Jordan Nesbitt, John Camden, Sam Aomide. That would be a five-man class. Uh, hilariously with John Camden currently being rated at a .9336, a three-star, and Sam at a 9252, a three-star. If that were the class, Memphis would be have a grade of 67.51, and right now, as of today, that would put them second in the 2021 rankings behind only Florida State, who has three five-star commitments. That would put Memphis in fourth overall if you were talking about the class of 2020 uh, recruiting rankings behind Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke. So that class would be an elite level class. That would be a top five worthy level class. And that's with two of those guys having absurdly low rankings for where they deserve to be. So back to Sky Clark. What's Sky bring to the table? So, Brooks, if you've got an enforcer down low, uh, a sharpshooter that can play the three and the four, a guy in Josh Monat that can play all over the floor, Jordan Nesbitt, who's a defender and can also get down low, what's left? An elite-level point, point guard, guard that can you got- distribute and get buckets. Yeah, and that's and that's the perfect combination because we live in an era where it's not just strictly point guards anymore. There aren't point guards who just get eight points and twelve assists a game. You've got to be able to score. You've got to be able to shoot. You've got to be able to get down low to play point guard in modern basketball. And Sky Clark can do all those things. And I actually talked to his dad. I believe it was last week. And one of the big questions that I always ask parents is, "What are some of the things as a parent? Because you've watched nearly every game he's ever played." If there's anybody that knows his skill set and knows what he needs to get better at, it's his coach and you and himself. 
So what what do you think he needs to value, and what is he valuing getting better at before he gets to college? And what he told me is he's already a really good shooter, but I want him to be an elite shooter. He's already a good passer, but I want him to have elite court vision and be an elite passer. He's already good at getting down low and getting buckets, but I want him to be elite at finishing down low. So what does that tell you about the point guard position? You have to be able to do everything to play point guard now. And I think even if he does reclass like we're talking about um, as, as in a hypothetical with joining the 2021 class, if he does reclass, I think he will develop enough by then to be a complete point guard. I think he already is, but I think he can be elite in a lot of those areas before he even gets to college because he does have a very wide and broad skill set. Well, and and just like Jordan Nesbitt, even though he's twenty twenty two, Sky Clark has a a college ready body. Jesus, he's thick. I'm, his legs man, are freaking tree he's, trunks. He's got tree trunks. Yeah, man. He's he's ready for college from a physical development perspective. Uh, you know, he held his own against uh, a top fifteen, top thirteen uh, level point guard in the twenty twenty one class in J D Davison. Whenever he matched up against him at the uh at the hoop city showcase which hilariously enough he matched up so well against them one game that they were leading by like 40 at halftime and they had to call mercy rule and restart the game at halftime uh and sky clark was a big reason for that in that game so sky uh let's get cheesy here let's tell a dad joke sky the sky is the limit for sky clark uh But no, I mean, for real though, uh, in an ideal situation, he would be a part of this class for Memphis. Now we're not talking about, I'm not going to get into who leads and and what the reality is of, of that situation because there is a legitimate competition there for him uh, and even for, for others that we mentioned. But hypothetically speaking, for the 100th time, Sky Clark is the best case scenario for the University of Memphis. If they could have their way, if they could cherry pick the guys they want, he's the cherry on the top. Yeah, and and what I was just thinking about as you're talking is Penny Hardaway ends up with a quote-unquote crown jewel of every class, even the one that he didn't have time to recruit. You think about 2018, no one saw Antoine Jones coming in that happen. And obviously it didn't pan out, and, and none of that really matters in this scenario because that was the surprise crown jewel he wasn't necessarily a five-star but for what penny was able to get when that class came through that was the crown jewel 2019 james wiseman's on board dj jeffries is on board no one thinks precious is coming to memphis there's your crown jewel of that class Uh, and then this past year the recruiting class wasn't great a lot of people were down on it musa cise comes out of nowhere crown jewel of that class so he has a surprise in nearly every class and sky clark could be that for the 2021 class well, and it wasn't just Precious Achiwa that was a part of that class. It was Boogie Ellis as well. He wasn't. He was not an expectation. He was signed with. Duke. Uh, he was. He was late. Yeah, and so you you have Boogie and Precious, and then you know with the 2020 class, it was not just Musa, Landers, Transfers. and DeAndre Williams were late additions that no one expected that made that recruiting class what it was. Uh, it bolstered Memphis's roster in a way that no single 2021, uh, 2020 recruit could have done. So you're talking about two guys in 2019, three guys in 2020 that were not on the table. They weren't an expectation. Uh, so yeah, I would not chalk up surprises 
for this 2021 class for Penny Hardaway and the Memphis staff. It could be that good. And that'd be three straight years with the five-star if Scott Clark was to get on board. And not to mention, we we we, we all seem to think that Josh Minot could end up being a five-star too. So uh, I know we say rankings don't matter, but a lot of recruits start paying attention when you land at least one five-star or multiple five-stars every season. Well, and and here's the last thing I would say is right now Memphis is appealing because Josh Minot has climbed. He's a kid that people, you know, from a recruiting perspective, other prospects would look at and say, man, that's a good-looking prospect. He's a top 30, borderline five-star guy. I could I could play with him. But then all of a sudden you get, you know, a, an elite-level big that had a Kansas offer and, uh, you know, another, you know, a lot of other elite offers. And, you know – has has an elite level offer list. Memphis gets him, and all of a sudden you say, "Oh man, they got a good good big." And as guys jump on board, they become more and more appealing. And every one of these dudes is not necessarily a dude that's going to be a one and done. So what's that do for twenty twenty two? They've all already got a a stacked roster from top to bottom, and you say, "Man." They got a bunch of really, really good dudes, some veterans. I could come in there as the elite piece to the puzzle and help them get over the hump if they are not already there. So from a hypothetical perspective, Penny Hardaway and this staff have answered all of our concerns and questions. Could they adjust to recruiting against the G League? Could they adjust to finding fits versus rankings? Uh, and 2021 is the answer to all of those questions if it plays out the way that Memphis and staff want it to. Kenny, Christian, you got anything else? Good. Yeah. Oh, I have a question. I have, you mentioned, you've mentioned it twice now, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on this total off subject kind of coming in from left field, but you mentioned Josh Gershon and you mentioned, um, Who's the other guy Evan that Daniels. left? Uh, Evan, Evan Daniels left. Two four seven. News came out last week. I think it was that Corey Evans was leaving Rivals. Um, three two NBA teams have picked national recruiting analysts Josh Gershon and Corey Corey Evans to come and be a part of their their programs or organizations. Um, did you as you've thought about that? As you've I don't know if you've given any thought to it. We haven't discussed it off off the podcast or anything like that. What are your initial thoughts about <clears throat> recruiting analysts like Josh Gershon and, and Corey Evans going to NBA organizations in, in their, in their roles that they're going to be playing in the NBA? Yeah. I mean, I think it's extremely smart of NBA teams. It's uh, a minimal investment with a potential of a high level payoff because the reality right now is that, the majority, if not all of these teams, are limited in terms of scope of what they've seen with this 2021 and 2022 class with COVID. They're not out there evaluating the same way that they would be. And so they're they're essentially bringing talent scouts at the high school level in-house to say, who do we need to target with these draft classes that we have not seen? Who do we need to go after? And it's not just that. It's how do we evaluate guys like Jalen Green, who's with the G League now? 
how do we evaluate this new G League thing so that we understand perspective of you know the 2020 class that's in the G League bubble right now versus guys that are going to be a part of the draft in you know next year's draft from college versus guys who bump up and are able to declare straight from 2021 because of their birth date. Um, so it's it's smart. I never thought I would see the day where you know national recruiting analysts were being picked up just because. Honestly, I I think historically, I don't think that national recruiting analysts have been given the level of respect that they deserve. People don't understand how much time and energy and effort goes into being a legitimate uh, resource and you know expert on these players. I guess it started back in the day with uh, what's his name, who was from. Uh, scout and I think he was with ESPN for a while. He went to the Spurs. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Dave Tellup. So Dave Tellup was kind of the first national guy. And a lot of his respect came from, he started getting on national TV. So he kind of bought some of that respect from the San Antonio Spurs, but um, you know, it's smart. They'll pay them a minimal salary and they'll probably earn that. In, in terms of making the right decision with their draft class. So it's smart. Well, all I know is when Christian announces that the Dallas Cowboys have hired him in their front office in a few years, I'm going to go be his assistant. That's all I know. <laughs> going to wash his knickers and drive I'm gonna him wash, around? I'm going to wash his knickers and make his food for him. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I don't know what I will do if and when that day comes. Uh, I will be – a lost, lonely soul. But <laughs> until then, Kenny, any other sidebars? No more sidebars. Sorry, that was a random sidebar. Yeah, we never, we <laughs> never good. know where Kenny's brain's gonna be. Christian, you got anything else? No, I'm good. All right, that's a wrap. Hypothetically speaking, of course. Thank you for listening to Tigers in Twenty. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 